Kivio? Oh, that's different. I like that. What is it? Kivio. 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 Yeah. Not Stevio, Kivio. <laughs> you going to record right here? Okay. Amen. Anybody got anything on their hearts tonight? <laughs> uh, I was telling you, I, I spent yesterday with my brothers. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, just walking in and seeing you guys, you know, uh, I remember when you were little, really, I mean, kids, you know. And, uh, you know, Ben, you were going through some rough times. And, but I, I know you guys, but it's such a blessing to see you guys. Yes. Fellowship with your, with your family and your dad. And I know he's totally Absolutely. Yeah, David got his pilot's license. Y'all all ready to take a flight with David? <laughs> Blessed, huh? What a blessing. It's a, it's a great pleasure to know when your sons get jobs and <laughs> make it on their own. You know? <laughs> That's a blessing, so I'm thankful. We still got David left. We got to get him through flight school to be a commercial. He wants to be a commercial airline pilot. He almost got to be an uh, orthopedic surgeon and a, uh, and a pilot, but he's going to graduate. He's got one semester left. One semester left in biology, which is very tough, but he's uh, hung in there for four years, and he's about to get a, uh, get his and graduate in, in uh, biology, which well, is pretty he good. Said he wanted to get that license. How long ago? I don't, I don't know, but he put his mind to it and he did it. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and it's good to see that they they put their mind to something and they stick with it and get it done. You know. And uh, Christian was blessed because he uh, he went back to school and and. Uh, his last semester, he got in his internship with Dow Chemical. And now his last semester, the teachers told him, just, just write a little thing on what you're doing every day, and we'll count that as your class, yeah. classroom grade. And he's able to graduate in that and start a, a really nice job. And Ben's blessed. He got a good job, too. He works 24-7. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. successfully, because most guys have been through some of the things you've been through. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got a nice apartment with no bathroom and no kitchen. I've been praying for deliverance that I said, how much you got left over there, man? He said, three long months. <laughs> Everybody should have to share a bathroom at least once in your life in a kitchen, right, Ben? That's for you. And Cedric's been a blessing to me. He's, he's helped me. Uh, he, he's doing a great job on editing the, vid- the videos to get the message out. 
which is a real blessing. He spends a lot of time doing that. He's also working two or three jobs, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, doing good with that. He's going to go back to school. Yeah. And uh, so we're excited about what's going on in his life. So, uh, so we got Terry going back to work. And, well, Larry, that leaves you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with what's going on in my life. Good, good. It's a blessing. Amen. Okay. Anybody got anything on their hearts tonight? We just cut a couple of videos. Um, I did part two of the uh, Church International video that we did. Uh, it'll be coming out when Cedric Finn is editing it. We also did two, uh, vid- two videos today uh, refuting the, uh, John MacArthur. Everybody know John MacArthur? Refuting his doctrine. Rebuking his doctrine? Refuting it. What's that mean? That means of, telling, of speaking the truth about his false doctrine. John MacArthur um, is, is a, um, he's been around a long, long time. I remember when I lived in California, he was preaching there in California. And um, he, uh, his doctrine teachings is that he does not believe in the uh, speaking in tongues. He believes it's of the devil. He believes that, uh, again, your past, future, and future, present sins are forgiven ahead of time. Uh, he believes you can basically sin and not and sin and not die. He believes in uh, penal uh, penal substitution, which is that Christ became the substitute for you, that you don't have to be righteous. He was righteous, so he believes in once saved, always saved. He believes that Jesus is being Lord of your life does not mean that he's actually in, where he you, where, where you're obeying everything that he says is being Lord. But he believes it's positional. That means you, you can't change that he's Lord of everything. Therefore, in that way, he's Lord of your life. So there's some really, really rough stuff there. So I was um, refuting some of the things that he was saying, letting him speak, and then I come back and refute what he says. So those were some of the false doctrines there. Um, I'm sorry. You want to put you want to, you want to put one on? We can if you want to. If you want to watch one. Yeah, he just edited one today. So, no, so uh, we just got done with that one today. I haven't edited the uh, part two just yet. I did the video, but he's got to put in the clips from... Possibly yeah. next Sunday we can watch part two, depending on if you want to put it out um, this week. Uh, we can definitely allow you guys to, to watch the unedited version today if you want to, uh, if, if the Lord leads you to do that. If not... The only problem with the unedited version, you're not going to have the part where he speaks. It's Correct. just going to be me speaking. Correct. So you probably want to see the other ones. Possibly. Can you hear what it's on? Yeah, it's, um, I can tell you. Would you like me just to tell you? Okay. Okay, uh, go, go to the book of Luke, chapter 10. This is, this, this is the church international. Right. All of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I want to refute him because he's, he's, he's got a lot of followers. And so, I, you know, l- listen, first of all, in Ezekiel chapter three, and Don, Don quotes that verse very well. It says, if the righteous turn from his righteousness and, and you warn him, you know, to turn back to, to, from his righteousness, turn back to righteousness, and he doesn't turn then he will die in his sin and all his righteousness which he has done 
will not be remembered, but his blood will not be required at your hand. So we are called to refute uh, false doctrine because um, uh, they're leading people to hell. And and you also want to share with them, you know, to try to keep them and get them back in the truth. But he says a righteous man can't turn from his righteousness. You know, but the Bible says a righteous man can turn from his righteousness. And so uh, that's why I do that. Uh, not, we as a body with you guys with me, we're doing it as a, as a body and um, sharing the truth with other people okay, and refuting Luke it. Luke chapter 10. You're sitting right next to me so you can hear me and you can't hear me. I, I got you. I got you. I'm going to get you a megaphone. No, one of those things. You want, Don, can you make it one of those things like that comes out of his ear? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not a bullhorn, just one of those things they used to put in the I, ear, you know? I used to have one. <laughs> you did? <laughs> What'd you do with it, Terry? Larry? <laughs> in Luke chapter 10, and, and, um, and guys, listen, we, we, kinda, um, we, we do kind of an open forum here so that um, you have some, a question about any scripture or anything that I say or anything that's said. We, we have it open because we want you to learn. We want you to be part. The, the original body of Christ was, was not intended and never was for one man to get up and speak and everybody just not say anything. But the church is made up of many members, the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians 12, so that every member can perform in that body. So we welcome your questions and answers and, and, uh, or, or comments so we can help one another to understand the scriptures to its fullest so you can walk in that. Okay, so, so feel, feel at liberty to, to, to share and to speak. In, in Luke chapter 10, there's a story about where Jesus had come to uh, Martha and Mary's house. And Martha and Mary were the two sisters of Lazarus. You remember Lazarus, the one that, that Jesus had raised from the dead. Everybody remembers that, right? He had raised him from the dead. And uh, Jesus comes there and, to eat with them and to dine with, at their house. Now, um, it, was, it was said from the pulpit over there at Church International that um, Mary, Martha was upset because the house was a mess. Said so the house was messy. And the comment was made that Jesus was comfortable in Mary and Martha's house that was messy. And Jesus was rebuking Martha because uh, he wasn't worried about how messy the house was. And he used that same analogy to say that uh, if your house is messy, in other words, if you've got sin in your life, Jesus is comfortable with you and your sin. Just come to Jesus and, and he's, he's fine with all that. Yes, that same night on, on February the 3rd. That's when that was ministered. Huh? I can't. And Don, that's what I did in the tape. I said, I, I searched that scripture. I searched every translation. I do not find anywhere where it says that the house is messy. Let's read the scripture, though, okay? It says in verse 38, he says, Now it came to pass as they went and that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary. If I get to reading too fast or something, I'm sure that Claire will let me know. Okay? Will you, Claire? I will, I will. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered or anxious about much serving. So what was she doing? She was serving. And, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Now, first of all, there, it, it, that always astounded me that she could come to Jesus and tell Jesus what to do. <laughs> That's pretty nervy. 
Like, you're not, not going to do what Jesus said. You're going to tell Jesus what he needs yeah. to do. Go tell Mary to get over here and help me is what she's basically saying. And she's all upset because Mary's not helping her wait on the guests. What is Mary doing? Anybody, what, what is Mary doing there? No, Mary's not cleaning. What is Mary doing? Huh? She's sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to him. So, so this is what Jesus tells Martha in verse 40, her sister. But Martha was coming about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Be it her, therefore, that she help. Jesus answered and said to Martha, 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 thou art anxious or careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary had chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. So he's, he, he, re, he rebuked Martha and said, Martha, you are all upset and anxious about things, but Mary's chosen that part that can't be taken from her. What's that part that can't be taken from her? The, the word of God, right? To hear the word of God. But, this, but what was said, none of that was said in the video. And, and um, it was said that, uh, that uh, Martha was worried about her messy house. And, and I basically refuted it and, and said, first of all, there's no, it does not say anything about a messy house. It says that she was serving her guest, which to me, I would think serving means like getting them something to drink or something to eat or what have you. But as far as the house being covered with a mess, it doesn't say that. And, and, to, re, and to refer that as an analogy of that, Jesus is comfortable with your mess in your life of sin and so forth is not what the scripture indicates at all. And um, so that's where I went. So I'm going to ask you the question tonight. Is Jesus comfortable in a house that's messy? Because he said he was. Matter of fact, he even said that um, as a child of God, Jesus is comfortable with my mess. And that was on the board, right? That he put across the board. As a child of God, Jesus is comfortable with my sin. And that's what he actually put. So, as a child of God, is Jesus comfortable with him? And first of all, I say oxymoron because it's two opposite statements, right? They couldn't miss what Luke is trying to say. Yeah. They missed the whole point. I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I looked at all the versions. I looked at, uh, they usually read from, uh, from over there, usually, usually read from the New American Standard yeah, version is what they read from was, there. Uh, distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, and she came and asked the Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work myself? Tell her to help me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's so what I got like. Yeah, and he said, preparing a meal. Yeah. And, 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 and by the statement that Jesus is comfortable as a child of God with my sin. That's a that's a oxymoron, right? That's an opposite statement. Why? Because if you sin, are you a child of God? No. Can give, can you give me a scripture? Anybody give me a scripture? Come on, give me a scripture. Anybody? First, First John. First John chapter three. First John three. Okay, let's go there. Okay. All 
First John chapter three, what verse? Uh, Cedric? Verse eight. Verse eight of First John chapter three said, "He that commits sin is of the devil." So, if you're living in sin, you can't say, "Well, I'm a child of God." You'd have to say that you're of the devil, right? Why? Why, why is that? Let's read on. He says, "For the devil sinneth from the beginning." For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So what's the works of the devil that Jesus came to destroy that he says here? Sin. Exactly. Very good, Larry. He came to destroy. He came to, to free you from the power of darkness, from, from sin. So, as a matter of fact, uh, there's another scripture, too, in, in this, written by the... Uh, that's quite a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, I thought maybe that was Jesus calling us up, but that's not, so he's somebody else. In, in John chapter 14, there's another scripture let's go to. John 14. No. Yeah, you could start there, yeah. You know, a lot of people say, man, man that person really loves the Lord. You ever hear that? Yeah, that person really loves the Lord. You know, yeah. or they'll say, Man, I, I really love the Lord. How, how do you know in the scripture whether you love the Lord or not? Like, if you love the Lord, you keep his commandments. There, you've been listening. You're doing good. Perfect, yeah. Um, well, as a matter of fact, he says that. He says in verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. And he goes further with that. And he says, and If you go back down to verse 21, he said, He that hath my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. That's verse 21 of chapter 14, Larry. John 14, 21. And Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said to him, How is it that, that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And verse 23 says, Jesus answered and said to him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode, our abode. In other words, live with him. In verse 24, he says, He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. So if you, how do you know if you don't love him? Because you're not keeping his sayings, right? Remember he said, uh, he said, Why do you call me Lord and do not the things that I say, right? Huh? Luke 646, very good. Uh, what about John 15? What about... Well, if I could say, well, Jesus, you know, Jesus is my friend. Could I say that? Verse 14. <laughs> Very good. You guys are right on it. Verse 14 of John 15 says, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. What if you don't do whatsoever he commands you? You don't love him. You're not his friend and you don't love the Lord. So the thing to say, well, Jesus is comfortable with that. No, Jesus is not comfortable with that. Jesus wants you to, to, to depart from iniquity, to depart from sin, and live for God with all your heart. Uh, so that was, that was one part of it, uh, David. And then another part, um, I went back through on, uh, what was it, on past Mark was saying that uh, in 1 Corinthians 5, if you want to turn there, He mentioned this person in chapter 5. And um, 
this person in chapter 5 that chapter 5 is talking about, this guy is committing sex, having sex with his stepmom. And, um, and the church, rather than, rather than expelling him or getting him out, was glorying in it. The, the church of Corinth, if you start from chapter 1 and go all, uh, 1 Corinthians 1 and go all the way to 2 Corinthians 13, you'll see a constant rebuke in the church of Corinth because they were carnal, they were fleshly. A lot of them were not saved. They were not right with God. They were living fleshly, unregenerated. And so Paul had to continue to write to, Corinth, to the Corinthians with correction virtually every chapter in Corinthians. But here it is that he's hearing about this guy that's doing this, and he's pretty upset about it. And he says um, in verse 5, um, he says, To deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. What do you think that means, Ben? That the spirit may be saved in the Yeah, to deliver him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Verse 5. Verse 5. Anybody? Uh, basically, basically that says the same thing it says in other scriptures. Uh, if, if, you, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anybody because, else? Because. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Maybe you bring uh, God's Now, what, what he says it means is he says he means that God's going to turn him over and God's going to take him out and bring him to heaven. Before, and this is the exact, exact words, before he ends up going worse into sin and ends up blaspheming God. So God's going to take him out is what he said. Huh? Kill him. Kill him. Uh, it reminds me of the scripture in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. It talks about, um, about they were getting together to have communion, to eat the Lord's body and drink his blood. They were having communion, like we have communion here on Sundays, you know. And the Lord said, as often as you get together in remembrance of his death, you know, it's the Last Supper. They ate, his, ate the, the, the bread and, and drank the cup of, of wine in remembrance of what he did. So that's what the church was doing on a regular basis, just like we do. And but but Paul wrote to them and he said because what was happening they weren't just eating bread and drinking wine they were actually having a meal they would get together and they'd have meals prepared and and drinks to prepare for everyone when they got there but what was happening is these people were coming there before early and eating everything up and drinking so much that they were getting drunk and they were a mess and and huh yeah First Corinthians eleven twenty two. And, and Paul is rebuking them uh, for not discerning the Lord's body. He says, you're, you're coming here and, and, and you drink, you're eating and drinking damnation unto yourself. He said, but you need to examine yourself. And that's an, uh, an, a, um, an admonition to each of us to examine ourselves before we eat the Lord's Supper. Because he said, you can eat and drink damnation unto yourself. You there? Right, so, yeah, all this, all, all the whole chapter, and um, 
So he said, for this reason, by you eating and drinking the Lord's Supper and, dr and drinking, he said, many are sick and some of them are, are even dead because you're not discerning the Lord's body and you come in selfishly and you come and he said, you have homes that you can eat and drink in. But when you come in to meet as a body, he says, you're not to do that. Uh, was, he had to correct them on this. So I think about turning this guy over in 1 Corinthians 5 is, is he's, he's uh, turning him over that he's going to have some affliction in his life. And he's going to be afflicted. Uh, it actually speaks of this same fellow here in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. You'll turn there. I, I believe this is the same guy. Um, Paul writes again to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 2. He said, um, verse 5, he says, but if any have caused grief, he's not grieved me. But in part, that I may not overcharge you all. Sufficient to such is this punishment, which was inflicted of many. So that contrarywise, you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. So it looks like, fortunately, this guy comes to a place that he, uh, if this is the same fellow, it doesn't say that. It just indicates it could have been. And he said, wherefore, I beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him. For this and also did I write that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of, of Christ. Lest, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So he's saying, forgive him, because if you don't, Satan can take an advantage of it. How could he take an advantage of it? How, he's saying, you're not ignorant of the devices of the devil. What would the devil try to do to you as far as forgiveness? What would he try to do? Soften it. Huh? Soften it. Soften, Soften it? it? Soften it? Okay, he says soften the forgiveness. Is that right? Uh -huh. What do you say, Jill? Satan will cause you to get bitter against someone. And then if you don't forgive, you're not going to forgiven. Exactly. That's the scheme of the devil. If he can get you to have unforgiveness for someone that someone... Absolutely did you wrong, messed you over, maybe even when you're a child or whatever it was, and something that the person holds for a long time because of something somebody did them wrong to get you not to forgive them, then Satan's got you. Because then if you can't forgive others, you can't be forgiving yourself. So it's always important always to forgive. It looks like it's this person here. But what, what he was preaching was that uh, God was going to take him out. Now, I want to point out something in the scripture, the last verse in, this, in, that, in chapter 5. I want you to read this, and it, it'd be worth it to go through and read it, the whole chapter, because it really talks about a lot of great stuff that Paul says. Um, 1 Corinthians. No, I'm, I'm at 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 13. <clears throat> it talks about, first of all, in the chapter, that we're to judge those that are within the body. That's what Paul was doing. He was judging that guy. And saying you need to expel him from the fellowship because he's in, in fornication. He's in having sex with his stepmother. The religious church world today says, oh, don't judge anybody. Oh, you're judging me. You've heard that before, huh? Oh, you go tell, confront somebody something about their sin. And say, oh, man, you're judging me. The Bible commands you to judge those that are in the body, those that are saying that they're a Christian and are not. The Bible commands you to do that. 
The outside world, leave alone. God's going to take care of that. But those that are in here, we are to judge whether somebody, if somebody's in sin, you need to expel them, you need to confront it, you need to get it taken care of. The, the, there's two types of judgment in the scripture. There's a hypocritical judgment and there's a righteous judgment. Jesus said, says you judge according to appearance, judge righteous judgment. The, right, the hypocritical judgment is when you're telling somebody not to do something and you're doing something yourself. Okay, that's, that'd be hypocritical judgment. That's why he said, get the beam out of your own eye so that you can help your brother remove the mote from his, uh, his eye. A lot of people never get the beam out and they're trying to correct. You know, and, and, and I don't get it, you know, how, we, how people do that. They, they, they think, well, they'll always have a beam in their eye or a mote in their eye, right? But yet they'll have a child. And they'll make that child and command that child don't do certain things, yet they're breaking the laws themselves. Isn't that, that's called hypocritical judgment. In other words, if you want to correct somebody, make sure you've got your life right, or else it's hypocritical judgment. But the Lord wants you to have righteous judgment in that you've, got, you've removed that beam from your eye, and you see clearly so that you can help your brother remove the moat from his eye. So he's saying here, he said, God judges those that's without, you judging those that are within. But look at this. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Now, that person that was having sex with his stepmother, what did Paul call him here? Huh? What did you say? A wicked person, right? He's a, wick, he's a wicked person, right? Paul said that. Okay, now this, this pastor says that wicked person is going to heaven. So I said... So my comment was, wow, I'm going to be in heaven with a bunch of wicked people. Right? Because that's what he's saying. <laughs> I'm going to be in heaven with a bunch of, you got it? Because that person's wicked. He said that person's going to heaven. That means that person's going to be in heaven. And I'm going to be there like, oh, you were that wicked person that was committing fornication with your stepmother. Man, I'm glad you made it, man. Oh, yeah, they got a lot of other wicked people here, too. You want to meet some more? No, I don't think so. He said, he said, without holiness, no man's going to see the Lord. So like he said in Revelation 21, 27, it says nothing undefiled is going to enter the kingdom of God. Nothing defiled. I keep doing that. You're right. Thank you, Don. Thank you. He said I said that in the tape, too. <laughs> Well, I think that if it, destruction can be used in a, a lot of different terminology. It could mean it could be mean it could mean killed, but he's certainly not going to heaven even if he's killed. Uh, it could mean sicknesses, afflictions, which is the, the, which is part of the destruction of the flesh that his body's just falling apart. Uh, as a matter of fact, Claire, it, you know you you got a good point there because if we go to Acts chapter five, turn there if you would. Something. But, but, you, but you could be right, too, Claire, in that he could, you're right, it could be 
destruction of death. But, but that doesn't mean he's going to heaven, you know, uh, by, by any terms, because we know that fornicators will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah. Why does it say so that uh, his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord? I think that's the only hope. That's why I say, I, I think that's him in, again in 2 Corinthians 5. We know from all the other scriptures all over the whole Bible, fornicators will not inherit the kingdom of God. He dies in his sin. He's not going to make it. So we know that when you have scripture, interpret scripture. But for him to go to heaven, no way. So I, I, I took it always as the destruction of the flesh is that he's going he's gonna to get some real bad, go through some really, really rough times and could go close to death or death. But, uh, but no, if he'd make it to heaven, no. Yeah. So it so it, it has a, a, a dual meaning there that it can mean a prolonged punishment is what you're saying, uh, or somewhat of destruction in that mannerism as as punishment is what you said, right? So. And that, and that makes sense, you know, because he needs to be really honey whipped pretty bad. Well, in combination with the second half of that verse, it would lead you to believe that it is some type of punishment. Right. Not death, because how could he then turn back to the Lord if he was already dead? Yeah. And, and again, Second Corinthians 2 shows somebody there that looks like the same thing happened, that they had got expelled from the church. Paul's admonishing to them to... He said, man, unless the guys be, be overtaken with sorrow, forgive him and receive him back. You know, and if you, and you're not ignorant of schemes of the devil. If you don't forgive him, then you're in trouble then. So it, it indicates, and most theologians agree, that that is the same person in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Um, but I thought it was astonishing, his statement there. Uh, you know, and he also said that and John MacArthur, John MacArthur is saying the same thing. And a lot of other preachers, Ed Young, a lot of these preachers we found are all saying the same doctrine, that this is what's going around. And they all say that um, John MacArthur, basically, the video we did with him, and you could play that one if you wanted to. You, you got it? You want to hook it up and let's play it, play it for them. He's saying that, um, that your past, future, and present sins are forgiven, that if you die in your sin you're going to heaven um, because God has forgiven your future sins as well as your present sins uh, so how could you be forgiven for something you haven't for? Exactly. exactly exactly matter of fact you, give me a scripture and, and, and let me see how, let me test y'all give me a scripture that says what sins you, you can be forgiven for anybody, can anybody give me one not you, Cedric. A scripture that would tell you that you're forgiven for your past sins, not your future sins. Can you give it to me? A scripture. Give me a scripture. Wait. Okay. I want her to understand first before y'all go there. Give me a scripture that tells what sins we're forgiven for, past, future, or, or present. Okay? That's what I'm asking for. Give me a scripture that says you're forgiven for your past sins. Can you give me one? Okay, all right. Don says Second Peter. You you you're on it though. Second Peter one, Don. Yeah, you're close though. 
correct. Go ahead and read it. Yeah, he says in first says, add to you faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, tempers, so forth. For he that lacks these things is blind and has not seen, seen afar off, but he that has these things abounds and has no case of stumbling. Then verse 9. Right. Go ahead, read it. Verse 9 says, uh, uh, but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been uh, cleansed from their past sin. Yeah, mine actually says, and that's good, I like it better, but, but mine says purge from your old sins. What? On certain things I do. Most things I tell them, but certain things. But yeah, but, but he's, yours says past sins, this one says old sins, which is the same thing. It's certainly not talking about future sins. Anybody got another scripture? Ben, you got one? No, but I'm, I'm sitting here thinking. Uh-oh. Okay, so in the, let's go to the scripture that says, if you do sin, you have an advocate, Jesus Christ. Okay, We're, but let, let's finish this one first. Okay. I'll get over there after a while, okay? <laughs> let's not switch that big of a gear yet. Okay, uh, go to uh, Romans chapter 3 and verse 25. Somebody read that for me. Anybody want to read? Romans 3.25. 3.25, yes, sir. Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation. Propitiation. Through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sin. That are passed through for, forbearance of God. Okay, so what sins is he forgiving? The sins of what? Past. Of the past. Very good. So it's your past sins. Nowhere in the scripture can you find where he forgives your future sins. Matter of fact, in where you were at, First John chapter um, one and verse nine, it says, "If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." Uh, so, but that token is telling you what do you need to do if you have sin? Confess it. But if you got sin, then there's a raise on But if you got sin, you're dead wrong in a way. You're going to hell. Basically. Not if you re- not if you turn well, from the right. sin. Well, I'm, I didn't say that. I know that already. But I'm saying if you do have sin, you're, you're dead wrong. It, well, basically, the doctor, you're dead wrong, right? Right. So, but there is an advocate. I'm just saying for in my life. Okay, let, let's, let's, let me back up with you. I'm coming with you. Okay, all, first of all, there's no chapters in Greek, okay? Everything runs together. Okay, so when you, when you take in 1 John 1 and you're going through 1 John and you're reading, if, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I'm going to ask you a question. Can I pick on you a little bit? Okay. If, if right now, if you ask God to forgive all your sin, okay? And you ask God to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And you're really, truly, heartfully uh, serious about it. You're really, really you're broken. You've you got godly sorrow and you're asking to forgive you. And you, you finish your prayer. And I ask you, after you finish with your prayer, and I ask you this question. Do you have any sin? What would you tell me? 
No? Right, that's right, right? Why would you tell me that you had no sin? And when you asked him, you believed that he forgave you because the scripture says that what? That he will forgive you if you ask him. And you'd be 100% correct. Okay, so at that point, with that particular prayer, that is part of uh, godly sorrow. It is godly sorrow. And part of repentance. Okay? Godly sorrow, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says, brings you to repentance. Now, do you, you know what repentance means? Okay, tell me what, tell us what repentance means. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm, I'm just, you know, I want to help you, okay? Uh, basically, just uh, changing your whole mindset, turning from the real wicked ways, and uh, seeking God's face. Okay, okay. Uh, actually, if you go to the Greek, and, and, and repentance means a change of mind, okay? Which also, with the change of mind, it causes a change of life. Like if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are past, all things become new. So that's repentance, where he turns from one action and one way of thinking to another way of thinking. For instance, if you were, and I'll just use this as an illustration, maybe not be as a, a, a good one, but say a, a guy is, walk, is watching pornography. He's got this problem with pornography. Conviction of God comes. He's realized he's, he's not going to make heaven because fornicators are not going to heir to the kingdom of God. He's realized he's, he's got this problem. And he goes to God and he, man, God, I'm sorry, man. And I've seen a lot of guys do this. I myself in the past did this where I said, God, I'm sorry. And, and, and I'd get up and I'd be really feeling bad about it. And then a week later, I'm doing it again. Okay, what did I actually do? Did I repent? No, I didn't repent. That's why you need to understand what repentance. What did I do? I just apologized. <laughs> I just apologized. Hold on, hold on. Let me let, let me finish this. Hold on. Okay. So I, so I, that's not repentance. Okay. Repentance is change of mind, totally turning from that. The other other way was just an apology, and that's not going to save you. you. Okay. So then we're going on. And I'm going to bring you to this bin. So we get out of there. Chapter two goes on along with that. The first verse in chapter two, verse chapter two, verse one says, "My little children," he's continuing the conversation of chapter one. "My little children, I write unto you that you sin not." That's the whole objective of what he's writing, that you quit sinning. But if any man does sin, he has an advocate with the righteous one, Jesus Christ, who is the propitiation for our sins. So if during that time of repentance, during that time of repentance, you sin. You can go to the Lord, get it right, turn. So repentance can take a day or it can take a year. But, but repentance is not, to, but you cannot have salvation until complete repentance is taken care of. You understand? So whether it takes a day or it takes a year, salvation is not there. Some people call, just do this. That first of all, they're told that you need to come forward, you need to accept the Lord, which accepting the Lord is not a good term anyway. Really, I need the Lord to accept me. You know, it, it's, it's like God didn't do anything wrong. I'm the one that did wrong. So, so, and then they told that, you know, you come to the Lord in your sin and then God cleans you up. That's not scriptural. The Bible says that you come to the, you, you, you come to the Lord broken. Remember, John is prepared to wait, repent. Repent of your parish. You come to the Lord, your life is changed. You, you, you ask the Lord for forgiveness. You ask for cleansing. You, t- you have the change of mind, repentance, where you turn from that. Then you receive salvation. So, but during that repentant time, Ben, there can be a time that God brings up stuff that's in your life that you need to turn from.
That's what he's talking about when he says, if any man does sin, we have an advocate with the Father of Jesus Christ. That is in no way written that you continue to do this on and on. Listen, let me, let me give you something else that's going to help you with this. When you read the book, and, and this is something that can come up for discussion that you really need to think about, because I, I never paid attention to it much. But when you read 2 Corinthians 7, and it says, he says, Godly sorrow works repentance. Repentance works salvation not to be repented of. Those words not to be repented of, what does that mean? No. <laughs> but what does it mean not to be repented of? You can do that. I'm just kidding you. To repent of your repentance. Do you understand that? Can you understand? Let me explain that to you. That's, that's in Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. Repentance, salvation not to be repented of. How can I repent of my salvation? That's repenting of your repentance. Exactly. Being very good. Perfect. To go back. Huh? 360. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say 362, Doc. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. Are you sure? Yeah. So just, just to be transparent, um, you know, I'm, I'm in this journey and I'm reading and I'm seeking God. And, um, you know, if, if I was to sit here and say that, that I walk in holiness 100% all the time, and you're saying that God, you're, you're going through this process, and then some people call it a process of sanctification, it's not a process of sanctification. That's what you said, but some people call it. I understand that's that. That's what I was saying. Um, I'm just looking, I'm looking for the truth. And I know the truth's not that I'm always going to sin because if I, if I really truly believe that, then I can just do whatever I want to do and I'd be okay. So I'm not with all that. Um, but it's a, it's, it's, it's a, there's so much going on. And, and that's why I don't take what men are telling me and preachers are telling me. I seek it for myself, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I'm wondering. It's good. That I'm it's good. You search. That's right. You search. There are some some areas sometimes that like, hey, this is right, and I, and I pray, and I, whatever, and I repent, and then just like you were saying, you repent of it, 
and then that's a done deal, and then you go back to it. That's not repentance. Well, I, I never that's not repentance. Okay, okay. okay. you got to understand what repentance is. That's 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 apologizing for. Repent. Let me hold on. Repentance means you've turned from the sin. You didn't turn from it. You went. You 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 you, you, you apologized and you went back to it. Repentance, a new creation. Old things are past. All things become new. That's repentance. Okay. Okay. Now go ahead. Totally. Okay. Okay. But here's the thing that in my own life, I really am repentant. I really am not going to mess. I've been, it's a done deal. You made up your mind you're not going to sin anymore. It's a done deal. And then you go back and then you find yourself that Then you find out that you really. What, 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 two things. Two things, Ben. Exactly. One thing, you got to admit you love that sin more than you love God. That's the first thing you got to do. Because if you did, you wouldn't do it. You've not yet resisted against sin to the shedding of blood. You hadn't fought against that horde. The Bible says, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. There's got to be enough, enough fear of God in you to know that he that is able to, 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 cast you, to kill your body, not fear not, but fear him that after he's killed your body is able to cast you into hell. Fear of the Lord is very, very important to depart from that, that iniquity, that sin, and to come clean all the way with the Lord. And that has to take place. Now, there's going to be things in your life that the, the Lord may point out don't do anymore by the Holy Spirit. But, there's, but, the, but the sins that are unto death that he talks about, if you do these things, you cannot have eternal life. Or you do these things, you shall burn in the lake of fire. Those sins are not to ever come back up in your life. Where it's, where you, and you know the names of those. We've been through those a number of times in Revelation 21, uh, Ephesians uh, 5, Galatians 5. First uh, Corinthians six, all those sins that are unto death. You understand what those are? The Bible says uh, in First Corinthians chapter six, verse ten, it says, "Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Uh, don't be deceived into thinking that they will." Then it makes a list there, and he says, "Neither fornicators, idolaters, sorcerers, murderers, liars." Then Revelation even includes liars. They will not make it. Those are sins that the Bible calls that are sins unto death. If you do those things. And not just practice, I mean, do them. You don't have eternal life. I don't care how many times you've been to an altar. I don't care what you've said. I don't care what you've done. You don't have eternal life. You can, you can go all around and you can try to make all this stuff up, which a lot of preachers try to do, and say you're okay, even though you did those things. You're not okay. You're not going to go. That's got to stop. Those are sins that have to be repented of. There's other sins that, that, that may come up that God will point out in your life. Something that you may be doing that's not listed there. And the Lord will point out and say, you need to let that go. Anybody, that ever happened to anybody? Yeah? Okay. Yeah, you might have raised, I might have raised my voice at my wife or something like that. And the Lord says, don't do that, you know. And then I say, okay, Lord. And I, and I ask God to forgive me and I move on. That's not a sin to death. That's not listed in those. So there's sins that are, that are very, very serious. And that's what he's talking about. There has to be a complete repentance from that. Okay. Huh? Second Corinthians six, for me. Yeah, but fellowship. I'm talking about me. Whenever you says it, it happens to anyone. Second Corinthians six, it talks about that. Yeah. Fellowship and so right. right. Go ahead, man. Well, I mean, I probably asked this question many times. If you if a sin unto death and not unto death is still sin, right? It's all bad. It's all. It's all but bad. one will you go to hell for, another one you won't. Oh, you won't go to hell if you run the red lights and break the law. <laughs> well. <laughs> It, it, let me put it to you this way. If God points something out in your life, um, like, for instance, you, 
you, you yell at me or something. And the Lord says, <laughs> and the Lord, and the Lord says to you, okay. <laughs> and Ben, listen to me. And you go home and you feel conviction. I really shouldn't have yelled at my daddy. Uh, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for, for, for yelling at my daddy. Uh, then you, you're fine. You know, and you, and you say, I'm not going to do that again. You repented of that. But if you said, you know what? I can yell at my daddy anytime I want to yell at my daddy. The Holy Spirit's convicting you. Then you start getting into trouble because you're, you're, what the, you're doing what the Bible calls quenching the Spirit. And you, the Bible says quench not the Spirit. And then you end up going into a, under death with that sin because you, you're walking in, in rebellion to God, you see. So th- those are things that's important. To remember, but the repentance is, is really turning from those sins that he talks about there unto death. You understand yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. You understand, Ben? I, t- I told you, I, I get it. I, I get okay. it. Um, I'm not going Well, if you need help, you know, say it. But it's if you find, then that's good. Would you like to go over uh, First Peter 2, the steps of the Lord? Huh? Would you like to go to First Peter 2, the steps of the Lord? What part? Steps of the Lord. Oh. Uh, Cedric wants to go to First Peter chapter 2. Do what? Before we go to the next part. Yeah. Oh, you ready to play that? No, no, no. We're going to pray for your neck before we answer. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank I got you. one. Okay, let's finish one. Cedric wants. And the scripture, uh, the scripture says, first of all, in in First John, I'm going to quote this because it goes with that one. Okay, okay. in First John chapter th- chapter two, very important. There he says, um, the one that's in verse four. He says, because we just finished chapter two, verse one and two and three. I want to give you First John chapter uh, two, verse four, also Ben. It says the one that says I know him and keeps not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. So if I say I know the Lord and I'm not keeping his commandments, what am I? I'm a liar and the truth is not in him, in me. Uh, so he said whoever, but he said whoever keeps his word. So that tells you right there well, people are keeping his word because he said whoever keeps his word, right? Uh, and, and he says is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. This is how you know that you're in the Lord right here. He's, he's telling you. He said, he that says I, he, he's in the Lord, he abides in him, ought himself also to walk just like Jesus walked. Amen. Okay, so we're to walk. he's an example, right? He became man just like we were man, took on flesh and blood like us, and he walked this life to show us how to walk. Okay, now, he brought out 1 Peter chapter 2, so let's see how Jesus walked is what, he's, what he brought out. 1 Peter chapter 2 and, and verse 21 <clears throat> So we're going to find out, he said, if we're going to say we in him and we abide in him, we ought to walk just like Jesus walked. So now we're going to look at, well, how did he walk? How did Jesus really walk? So, and we know the life of Jesus, how he walked and what he did and what he said, and his life was righteous and he never sinned, right? Mm-hmm. He was always holy. So he said, I want you to follow my steps. Now, if you couldn't follow his steps, then why would he tell you to do it? That would be kind of raunchy, wouldn't it? Right. <laughs> you know, uh, okay, so let's go to verse 21. For even here, unto, even here unto were you called. This is what you called to do. Because Christ also suffer, suffered for us, 
leaving us an example. Here's your example. Not a substitute. Here's not a substitute. Here's your example. You want to preach? <laughs> Here's your example of what you'd walk like. Here's your example of how you're supposed to live. A lot of people say, well, you know, only Jesus could live without sin. You know, only Jesus. You can't, Jesus, so Jesus can't really be your example is what you're saying. But you see, the Bible says that Jesus was born of the seed of Abraham. So he was born of the seed of man. The Bible says that he took on, and this is in Hebrews chapter 2, that he took on flesh and blood just like our flesh and blood. So he had the same meat you had. He, he felt cold, he felt heat, he felt hormonal imbalances or balances, he felt temptations, he felt all the same things you and I feel. No excuse. He was tempted, the Bible says, in all points, just like you and me, so that he could feel our own weaknesses. So he was tempted in that same way, just like us, you got it? So there was no difference when Christ came to earth the Bible says in Philippians 2 that he emptied himself of the Godhead, of the divine nature, and took on the nature of a man, being born of, of a less nature than the angels, so that he could show us through, what he, through him of how to live. Perfect example, okay? No excuse for us because he, he did it for us. That was the whole purpose of what he did. So he says, I want you to follow this example. And he says, verse 21, for even here too were you called because Christ awful suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. You see the next verse? What's the first step? Okay. What's the first step? Anybody got it? Okay. We're to follow his steps. Verse 22. Anybody got it? Who did no sin neither was a found in his mouth. Okay, he just told you to follow that he was an example and to follow his steps. How are you going to follow that? Don't cuss. <laughs> Don't cuss. Okay, that's good. Part of it. <laughs> but the first thing he said was, who did no sin? Come on, Lord. You know, you're God. You're, you're, you're Jesus. I mean, you, you didn't sin, but you want us not to sin? He said, I want you to follow my example. And the first example I'm telling you is I didn't sin. So what, if you're going to follow his example, what are you going to do? You're not going to sin. Neither was God found in his mouth. Like he said, nothing's going to come out of your mouth. As a matter of fact, James chapter 1 says, if, I, if I've got anything coming out of, my, out of my mouth and I'm saying I'm a Christian. 26. Yeah, verse, verse 26. He says, if I don't refrain my tongue from, from speaking bad, then my religion is worthless. In other words, if I'm having something happen to me and I, cu I say a cuss word, you know where that cuss word's coming from? Your heart. Your heart. Very good, Ben. So if it's coming from my heart, where's the problem? Your heart. Your heart. You got a heart problem. <laughs> okay? So if I got a heart problem, I need to get my heart right with God, right? So I need to go back and I need to really make things right. And I need to understand that's the thing. Some people will just cuss and think they're just fine. When something happens in your life like that, you need to, Bible says, uh, Don quotes it sometime in Romans chapter 7. It said, let sin become exceedingly sinful. Make it a big thing because it is a big thing. It'll keep you from the kingdom. But he said, if I got ugly words coming out of my heart, out of my mouth, my heart's corrupt. And I don't have eternal life. My religion, the Bible says, is worthless. I don't know how the NIV reads that. But, but anyway, <laughs> that's what it says. Um, but it says... Leaving us an example, you should follow the steps who did no sin, neither was God found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. 23. So when somebody says something to you and tries to stir you up, you're not to be moved by that. 
you know, to, to go in their direction. They do something 